through 16. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. And turning now to Luke chapter 21, beginning at verse 25 and going to the end of the chapter. Jesus said this, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Each day, Jesus was teaching at the temple, and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives, and all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who in your life do you want to hear bad news from when you have to hear bad news. None of us who live on this earth that has been marked by sin can escape having some bad news in our life. Hard things happen. Destruction of people and property and significant things and relationships. Bad news is inevitable. We are not exempt from hardship, but who do you want to hear hard news from? I would offer some criteria because I do think in in our world, particularly in in our country at this time and place, whether you are a left-leaning or right-leaning person, whether you are Fox or CNN, there is always someone who is eager to tell you bad news. And I think that's true of any station across the board. There is a talking head that is always eager to tell you all the things that are wrong with the world, and especially to make you maybe feel better that it's all because of the thems over theirs. There is an eagerness to share bad news because panic sells. 
Who do you want to hear bad news from? We get used to hearing bad news. We pick our favorites to share a particular spin on bad news that helps us tolerate it and get a tolerance built up for it so that we can continue to consume, I would say, more and more bad news, more hard things to be told about. Jesus also shares hard things. There is good news in the gospel mixed with hard news. There's, there's no blunting of hard truths, of that the heavenly bodies themselves will be shaken, that, that, that bad things, destructive things will happen. The chapter starts with talking about the destruction of the temple, that not one stone will be left on top of the other. Think about if you were hearing that, to be told that not one stone would be left on top of the other here. Wouldn't that catch you in the gut? Even just to think about it, it's visceral to imagine. Who do you want to hear good news? Who do you want to hear bad news from? Someone who's an authority on the subject that they're telling you about. And, whenever at all possible, someone who loves you. As the saying goes, the harder the news shared, the better the friend who shares it. Someone who's an authority on the subject and who cares for you, who loves you. I think this is why people keep coming to Jesus. Because just like maybe when you're young and, you, and your parents tell you that something's going to be difficult, or maybe you had the coach who told you that this is going to be a hard opponent to beat, or maybe someone's walking you through how to fix something. I always need to call in some help and assistance for that. And if I'm told by either my parents or by any of you who I would call, if I'm told, yeah, this is going to be a hard thing to fix, well, at least you're telling me honestly and at least I'm probably talking to someone who cares about me and who is an authority on the subject. I think people are coming to Jesus because they can sense that he is an authority on the subjects that he is speaking about. This guy, there's something about him. He knows what's going on. So even when Jesus shares some things that can sound even kind of scary, people trust that he is an authority on this topic. He knows about this subject. And... I think the reason people go, Luke even mentions this detail, people are going early in the morning. They are captivated by the things that Jesus has to say. I think it's because they also know that this guy loves us. He cares for us. He might say some hard things. He might set some high standards. He might even give us some hard news from time to time. But this is someone who cares for us. There is some love in the delivery of the deliverer. Jesus could be perceived maybe as a little bit scary. Talking about signs in the sun, moon, and stars, that earth and nations will be in uproar and anguish, that doesn't sound very good. But Jesus is a truth teller and tells the truth with perfect love. The scene that he describes is that everything is going to get shaken up. Quite, quite literally, the heavenly bodies themselves will be shaken Things are going to be shaken up. And I wonder, as we enter into this season of Advent, if you were told by Jesus, if you were there in person, but in the same way, the way we read Scripture, it is as if Jesus could be speaking to us today. If Jesus were to tell you, your life is about to get shaken up, and it's going to be hard, what would you imagine would shake loose? 
if everything was going to get shaken up, if your world was going to get turned upside down, if you think about a building with no stone left on top of the other, if your life was going to get shaken to the core, that nothing would be left the way you understood it, everything would be disarranged, and there would be everything in chaos, what do you think would shake loose? And what would remain if your life was going to get shaken up? It's a good question to start with in Advent. As we think about the seasons and what they teach us, this is kind of a time for us to imagine if we were going to get shaken up, if we were going to hold on to one thing, if we were going to cling to one thing as we go between now and Christmas Day, what would remain and what in your life would shake away? The other example that Jesus uses is like wheat and chaff, that the wheat will remain and the chaff will get blown away. What is the chaff that could just get blown away with. What do we hold on to? I do think in this present moment, we can read through our prayer list and think about people whose lives are being shaken up right now. We think of the decriters and others. We think about seeing Kim here today, that there was a few people who cheered as she made her way up the stairs to see her again. Our lives can get shaken up. And when it does, what shakes loose and what stays? And maybe we know the things that should stay and the things that could get shaken loose, but that doesn't mean that we like it. If there is a discipline to apply ourselves to during Advent, it would be to do a little bit of practice of shaking up our lives a little bit, to play around with what can go, what, what is easy to hold loosely and let go of, and what do we need to cling to so that when the day of getting things shaken up comes, we are ready and that we are holding on to the right things. Advent is such a time where we reassess what we're holding on to and what we're looking at. Because Jesus talks about this chaotic scene And then in verse 28 says, when these things begin to take place, when all of this destruction from the beginning of the chapter with the breaking down of the temple all the way to the sun, moon, and stars, that heaven and earth will even pass away. Jesus in verse 28 says, when these things, all of these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Stand up and lift up your heads. Don't cower down when things are being shaken up. When things are getting shaken up, know that things will be shaken loose. But look up and look for your redemption. This was the promise from the book of Jeremiah that we read, that in those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety, that this righteous branch from the sprout of David's line, he will do what is just and right in the land. And king after king after king and prophet after prophet after prophet talked about this or tried to do this or did not do this. And yet here we find Christ in Advent, the righteous branch from David's line who will do what is just and right. Things will get shaken loose. And our human nature, when things are hard, is often to cower down. You hear a loud noise that you weren't expecting. What do you do? You go down. And here Jesus says, look up. When the world is shaking beneath you, 
I don't think we're talking about earthquakes. Then you should just go under a desk or something. But metaphorically, when the world is getting shaken up, look up. Human nature, as we have seen, is when things get shaken up, apparently we hoard toilet paper. We stock up on household goods. Um, We buy guns and stockpile ammunition. And yet what Jesus calls us to do is to look up. Look up. And then, after you have looked up, then look around. And to see the way that the redemption of your Lord and King is working out around you. To pay attention, because Jesus says, that when, these, when these things are happening in verse 31, you know that the kingdom of God is near. And even though there's a lot of chaos in the world, the kingdom of God drawing near is still good news. The kingdom of God drawing near is our redemption drawing near. So stand up and lift up your heads. Because your redemption, the kingdom of God, is drawing near. Even if the world around you is shaking apart, even if it feels like the pieces of your life are being shaken apart. It seems like it's been heavy lately to hear of deaths of family, some expected, some unexpected. There's all the turmoil, and we can't escape all of it. And it just feels like a part of us gets shaken loose, something that we felt firmly footed on, that our foundation was strong and sure, and then things shake a little bit. When things are shaking, look up. And maybe right now, life is good for you. Thanks be to God if that is the case. For in the church, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we lament with those who lament. But if things are good, then still use Advent as the time to imagine if your world was shaken up, what would you hold on to? And where would you look? Stand up and lift up your heads. And look around with faith and hope that God is still at work. For our first week of Advent is about hope, the hope that calls us home. And I imagine that it's a good time to look around and see what God is doing because this revitalizes our hope. A good friend of mine who received this from someone else said, the only true hope is in Christ. Every other hope is just wishful thinking. Where is our hope truly found? There's all kinds of hope that is just wishful thinking. I hope that works out. As I was told by a few folks um, on consistory at uh, one workplace near here, um, it is a phrase, hope is not a plan. Well, I hope we get done on time. That's not a plan. Hope is often wishful thinking. True hope is in Christ, where we fix our eyes, what we hold on to when everything else is getting shaken up. And so where do we look? We look up. But also, I'm drawn back to the fact that we even need a Redeemer, that we need this hope, is because we live in a world marked by sin, and that all of the the consequences of sin come in this culmination of what Jesus talks about. And in Genesis 3, when sin entered the world, when God still came, to walk in the cool of day when God was still searching out, still looking for us, all of humanity. God's question was, where are you? And I think Advent is the time where we lift up our heads and repeat God's question back. Where are you? And of the core four emotions, mad, sad, glad, scared, 
If someone asks you, how are you feeling, and you're not really sure, which one sounds the most right? Mad, sad, glad, scared. All other emotions come from combinations of those core four. How do you ask that question of God, where are you? I think there's times where we are downright angry. And we look at the suffering in the world and we say, God, where are you? And I think that mad gives way to sad pretty quick. Because I just tried to do the mad voice and I just got choked up instead. I think sometimes we're just downright sad. And when we're sad, we look down. And Jesus says, look up. It's as if a loving parent just tipping the chin up to look up again. Where are you, God? Where are you right now? Because we need you. I think sometimes we're scared because the world is shaking up around us. We're like, where are you, God? The Psalms call you our shield, our rock, our defender, our fortress. We need that right now. Where are you? And I think sometimes we're glad. We can look up and say, where are you, God? Show me today with a fresh curiosity day by day. Where are you today? So we look up, and then we look around. We look at our sisters and brothers in Christ. We look at our workplaces, our third places, our country, our world, and we ask, where are you? Sometimes you'll be mad when you ask it. Sometimes you'll be sad, scared, or glad. But ask God's original question back to God during Advent. Where are you? With wherever you find yourself, with whatever degree of shakenness is going on, And also do so with hope that is truly in Christ, a firm foundation. That Jesus says, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away. That's a scary, scary thought. If you really apply your imagination to that, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Put your hope on that which will not be shaken away when heaven and earth are shaken away. We might be intrigued that Jesus says, this generation will not pass away. For one, this chapter started with talking about the temple. The temple was destroyed a couple decades-ish after Jesus walked the earth. So Jesus' followers heard this, and they would have thought for sure, we're talking about the temple, that happened. But all these other things, generation also can mean a people group. Think about how maybe if you've read through the Psalms or the Old Testament, how we talk about the generation of those who seek your face, O God of Jacob. We're talking about the people of Israel. And even as the the mission of Jesus is turning out towards the Gentiles and will really take off with the Apostle Paul, even now there's a reminder given, this generation, the Israelites, God's original covenant people all the way back to Abraham, they will not pass away before all of this comes to be. The promises that were made to the prophet Jeremiah, the people who those promises were made to, they will still be. But also the fulfillment of those promises would never be accomplished by any person. And so God drew near instead. Because every ruler, everyone who tried to lead with justice and righteousness failed at some point and in some way or another. They were shaken. And so the one who cannot be shaken, was sent instead. So friends, I invite you to take seriously that question. Where are you, God? Look up 
for your redemption is near. And the more the world is shaking, all the more reason to look up. And ask God that question. And maybe discern in your own heart. Maybe do it today and ask, am I mad, sad, glad, or scared? And then as we continue through the season of Advent, as we continue to look up, as we look up to Jesus, how does it change? For his words will never pass away, even as we do. As our life circumstances change, his words will never pass away. So look up, and don't be weighted down by all the ways that we might try to numb our pain or keep ourselves busy, or maybe just the sheer overwhelm of our calendars will keep us far too busy to look up because we're looking around at everything else. Look up first. Ask God, where are you? And then look around with faith and hope and trust that God will show you just where he is. As we look up, one of the ways in which we do this as a church is to look up to God and know in trust that God has given us every good gift, including hand sanitizer. It's not sand. God gives us every good gift. And so we come to the table of our Lord in remembrance, communion, and hope. And particularly in Advent, we remember that Christ came into the world, that he is that righteous branch that was sent into the world to assume our flesh and blood, to live the perfect life that we could not live on our own. We remember that Christ died and rose again for us. And we remember that upon his ascension, he told us that he would return. So remember the deeds of our Lord. We do so in remembrance of Jesus. Friends, we also come in communion. First of all, looking up to the one who gives us these good gifts, and then looking around at the ways in which God is still at work persistently with holiness and goodness in the world. We come in communion with our Lord who promised to never leave us or forsake us, even to the ends of the earth, even when things get a little shaky. And we come in communion with one another that this is a shared table for your brothers and sisters in Christ for your best of friends in faith, for the people that you tolerate, maybe with gritted teeth. It's not that different than Thanksgiving dinner. But it come to this holy supper with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. For this is not our table. This is a gift from God. And we come in hope. Advent week one, we come in hope. Not just wishful thinking, not just a naive optimism, but we come in hope because Christ said that he will never be shaken away. So we cling to him with all of our hope.